Hi, welcome to Exploring the Illusion of Free Will. My name is George Ortega, and today we're going to be talking about Galen Strawson's Nothing Can Be Cause a Sui Refutation of Free Will. Okay, before we do that, I just want to kind of go into why I'm doing the show, why the show is important, and a brief kind of like definition of free will and description of why it's impossible. Then we'll see why it's impossible from um, Galen Strawson's perspective. Okay, um, there have been various illusions in humankind. Um, For example, we once thought that um, we were the center of the universe. You know, and then we realize, well, we're on this galaxy, this Milky Way galaxy that's kind of like, you know, just one of billions of other galaxies. And um, so I think maybe that that kind of humbled us. You know, it it said, you know, I think before that we kind of felt that we were just like everything, that, you know, that the world was entirely about us. And so we realized that now there's, there's, you know, hopefully a lot more out there, a lot more life, whatever, but... um, but it was like you know, it's a, it was like an illusion that um, we came to understand the truth about, and it. I don't think it was you know all greatly significant in a certain sense. It was in a spiritual sense, um, but um, and then there's other illusion illusions like, for example, um, it seems like our Earth is completely motionless, like you know, it's completely still, nothing's moving. And um, but the reality is that um, you know we're hurling through space uh, first around the sun at over six hundred thousand miles per hour. Then like with the sun and an entire solar system, you know, around our Milky Way galaxy. I mean, like there's so many kinds of motions. There's about six or seven motions we're actually going through. But nonetheless, the illusion is that everything is perfectly still. All right, now these you know that's kind of an illusion that um, fine. We know the illusion. We know the truth. It doesn't really matter so much in our everyday life but with the illusion of free will it's very very different because like with this illusion to the extent that we see ourselves as the authors of our acts uh, rather than actors just playing out the um what fate decrees you know when, when we see ourselves as 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 the authors we kind of it leads to several things one it leads to kind of like well blame you know like one of the things in life is like we are like we're made we're imperfect we make mistakes a lot you know that's like almost the definition of being human in a way and according to the um free will perspective well it's our fault or it's their fault or it's you know yeah it's our fault and that naturally that when it applies to us that leads to kind of like negative feelings you know feelings of um contempt for oneself or dissatisfaction with oneself or you know something like that and when it leads and um when it applies to others then it leads to blaming others and that leads to kind of like conflict and competition and and so like the idea of the show is like to the extent that and there's other benefits of actually overcoming the illusion of free will that you know we've gone over it other shows but to the extent that we overcome this illusion the 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 prediction is that we can create a much better world. You know, we can create a world where um, we're a lot more humble. You know, you know, this this kind of like this feeling that what we do is up to us creates pride and arrogance. You know, uh, among other things. And um, it, I I I would predict it'd be a much better world. 
Okay. Um, now let's. The, there are basically two two ways of understanding why we don't have a free will. The first is causality. Um, sometimes referred to as determinism, but determinism is a bit confusing. I'm going to go into that in a different show. But it's like it's the idea that everything that happens has a cause. You know, everything that happens. You, you can't have something happening without it being caused to happen. That's, you know, that's axiomatic. You know, that's, that's a reality of our physical world, or of our reality that... Um, it's not just physical, it's spiritual. Like, you know, if, if you think of our thoughts as spiritual and somehow they're not physical in some way, that causality applies also to that, those thoughts because those thoughts occur within a moment in time. Okay, and so like, if, as long as they're in that timeline then they have the causality that that timeline actually kind of like reflects. All right, so the first um, way is causality. The second way is just, I mean, the amazing idea that we have an unconscious, that, you know, this was something that um, was discovered over 100 years ago by the hypnotists, mesmerists, and then Freud popularized it. He he kind of like saw the significance of it, um, and saw it as kind of like a way to understand ourselves in order to improve ourselves as a humanity. You know, individuals like um, psychoanalysis, just you know, enhancing our lives through understanding the role of the unconscious in our lives. So, so with the unconscious, the idea is that, um, well, if all of our thoughts and memories and impressions and everything we've learned everything we've sensed, you know, all our memories are in our unconscious, and by definition, the unconscious is a part of our mind that our conscious mind isn't even aware of. We only became aware of it indirectly, like through hypnosis and and various um, neurophysiological ways, neuropsychological ways. Um, Then, that means that in order to make any decision... Since the conscious mind can't access those memories because they're in the unconscious, the only part of our mind that can access them is the unconscious. So we have the unconscious sifting through material to come up with decisions, which it then communicates to our conscious mind. And the illusion is our conscious mind then thinks that it has made the decision. Okay, I got to do more shows on that because that's very important. But anyway, those are the basic two ways of understanding why free will is impossible. A third way may be um, having to do with like imperatives, like the hedonic imperative, the moral imperative, the survival imperative, just these hardwired drives that we have. But, you know, that could actually, that's actually um, reflecting both causality and our unconscious mind. But, all right, so like Galen Strawson um, comes up with another way that, um, to, under, to understand why free will is impossible. And interestingly, he kind of like contends that it's, it doesn't rely on causality. I'm not sure. I'm, it, it may, but it's a very interesting and effective way to understand, you know, why, why um, free will is impossible. Now, all right, here's the thing. Now, there are two main ways of understanding human will, not of understanding... Um, that free will is an illusion, but just the idea that we have a human will. Um, one is physical and logical. 
okay? Um, and so, you know, basically we, we have a will, we make decisions. But in terms of like our will being free, you know, free from the kinds of conditions that actually in reality um, determine everything, um, there's also within the, the determinism free will debate the idea that, well, if we're personally, morally responsible for what we do, then that must mean that, ha- that we have free will. Or to put it you know, in the converse, if we have free will, that means we can rightfully and justly be assigned moral accountability, moral responsibility. So, so Galen Strawson um, comes up with a way of showing that, no, we're absolutely, we cannot be responsible for, um, for what we do, because in his reasoning, I mean, it's you know, crystal clear, actually, we're not responsible for who we are. Okay, um, Galen Strawson is a philosopher, a British philosopher. His father, Peter Strawson, um, was a philosopher who interestingly believed in free will. His son now understands that free will is an illusion. And, um, and so his, you know, his main, um, he's been popularizing this, this proof, I think, for at least several decades. And it's called the Nothing Can Be Cause a Sui Refutation of Free Will. And the idea is like causa sui is a Latin term meaning the cause of itself. Okay, so then there's a famous statement in philosophy, nothing can be the cause of itself. That kind of makes sense, right? I mean, like, you know, something has to cause um, something. Now, um, the way to understand this is that um, what, what, what Galen Strauss, Strauss, um, Strauss what Galen Strawson is, is saying, what he, um, what he's kind of like reminding us of, is that um, we didn't create ourselves. You know, we're created by God or by our parents biologically. But the idea is like, you know, to our knowledge, to our best knowledge, um, we we did not create ourselves. You know, I mean. Theoretically, it could be that we had a soul that always existed that just decided to be born in this way, whatever. I mean, that's, that's speculation. You know, it could be so, but according, again, to our best reasoning, our best, best science, our best logic, you know, something else created us. Um, God, fate, you know, the universe. So that's, that's his proof. His, 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 his contention is, if we didn't create ourselves, how can we possibly be held responsible for anything we do. Now, having said that, I have to kind of like, you know, present the caveat that in order to maintain our civilization or society, we in many cases have to, quote unquote, assume responsibility. We have to act as if we have free will because we can't just say to ourselves, well, I didn't create myself and I'm not, I'm not responsible for anything. That means I can do anything I want. You know, because that's just not the way um, life seems to work. It seems that there's a kind of a, a natural, kind of like law of justice to the extent that if, to the extent that we're smart and good, nature, God, whatever rewards us, and when we're not, we get punished. So it just, um, 
So it, it does really, um, it is important um, and helpful to understand that understanding we don't have a free will doesn't mean that, that we don't sometimes assume responsibility when, when it's um, advantageous to ourselves and um, ourselves and others. Okay. Um, I want to like present, you know, I'm not sure if, you got, if you've gotten the cogency of, of Strawson's argument yet. It's very simple. It's very clear. It's very powerful. But if you haven't yet got it, I want to like explain it through a, um, an example that I found actually in a, in a um, philosophy textbook. And um, the example is of, con- imagine you are an amazingly brilliant engineer, um, mechanical engineer, computer engineer, whatever, and you build this robot, okay? You build this robot, and through some some magic, I guess, because, like, you know, it it certainly does defy the laws of, of nature and reason and experience, but through some kind of magic, you were able to endow your robot with free will, okay? So, what happens? The robot escapes i don't know he's just like hey free will out you know i'm out of here <laughs> so he he leaves where he is he goes out into society and, and wreaks havoc he just like who knows what he does but he just like does stuff that gets the his creator in front of a judge okay he's been charged with everything that the robot did and the judge um he's saying to the um He's saying to the judge, but wait a minute, you know, you know, I'm not responsible for what this robot did because I endowed this robot with free will. Okay? And um, now here's the thing. Um, what, what do you think the judge would say to that um, to you as the brilliant creator of this, you know, um, robot. Fine, fine, he would say. You, you endowed your robot with cre- free will, but the robot of its own free will, whatever, uh, wreaked havoc, you know, um, did damage, and we have to, you know, ultimately, if you didn't create him and give him free will, he wouldn't have done that. That's the judge's argument. And that's Strawson's argument, okay? That's how you can see it. It's like, if God, the universe, created us and, you know, gave us some kind of free will, whatever, it would still not be our responsibility because we didn't create ourselves. If, for example, let me, let me take me as an example. If I had a free will and I created myself, whatever, I would be completely, perfectly good, I would never make a mistake. I would never do anything wrong. Um, which is a very, very clear and powerful way to understand why we don't have free wills. You know, just that simple um, statement, that simple, simple consideration. But, okay, so, um, so we don't have a free will because we didn't create ourselves. We don't have, we're not really essentially morally responsible because we didn't create ourselves. I think Strawson's... Um, argument is again very powerful very clear and it does you know address this issue from a perspective 
that is not the conventional perspective of, of causality, actually, in this debate. And now, now I'm kind of popularizing this idea that, you know, it might be easier to understand this through understanding that if all of our data is in our unconscious and we're not able to access the unconscious, then certainly um, our decisions are made at the level of the unconscious. But, but again, Strawson's um, proof is, um, is very... Um, is very solid. It's very, um, it works. Okay. Um, now, so, all right, so then what do we hold responsible? I mean, like, if we're not responsible, you know, ultimately, I guess it's the universe. And then that, that, that raises a question as to um, whether or not the universe has a free will. Because I would prefer, actually, to... Um, to think that it doesn't, to think that the, you know, the universe does not have free will either, that just, I mean, and I know that, that may not, you know, haven't thought it out completely, um, but here's why I prefer that, um, that reasoning, and again, it's not, it's not a reasoning that I would actually give any kind of logical credence to, because it's really a, um, a conclusion based on a preference rather than on, than on um, evidence, whatever. But the idea is, like, to the extent that God, the universe, has a free will, then um, a lot of horrible stuff happens. Um, you know, 50, 60 years ago, we were kind to farm animals. We didn't torture them. You know, the, the chickens and cows and pigs and all, they just grazed. They, they had halfway decent lives. And now what's happened over the last 50 years especially is just horrific. It's just like you wouldn't believe it and... Um, you know, so like to to the extent that the universe had a free will, God had a free will, we would have to blame God for that um, or the universe. And to the extent we believe it doesn't, we don't have to blame God or the universe. And and of course, naturally, this applies so powerfully to ourselves, just that um, if we have a free will, um, we've got a lot to answer for. My God, we have got a lot to answer for. I mean, just just the animal issue alone, the animal rights issue. It's you know, leaving aside the thirty thousand kids that die every day of global poverty, um, and so many other problems. So, it's important. It's important um, to our self-image. It's important to our civilization. It's important to our personal lives. How we see ourselves within this universe. How we see the nature of our human will. It's gonna de- it's gonna determine how we act. Okay. Okay. Um, I think, you know, I think that was a good um, description of, of, of Strawson's um, work. You know, it's simple. It's just we didn't create ourselves. If we didn't create ourselves, we are not responsible for what we do. And if we're not responsible for what we do, hence we have no free will. Free will is an illusion. All right. Okay. So um, I'm going to like just go through some, because um, I really did cover this pretty, pretty well, and we've got about seven minutes left. So I'm going to go through some, um, some statements about causality that, um, that, you know, just or, or about, you know, our human will that, that, you know, should be edifying. Okay. Um, let's see. All right. Yeah. Some uh, around the turn of the century, well, around 1925, 27 or so, um, a bit before that, they um, physicists developed quantum mechanics, 
And around 1925, 27, Warner Heisenberg, one of the top physicists responsible for creating quantum mechanics, um, came up with what came to be known as the Heisenberg Uncertainty Principle. And it simply means that when you have, um, like for example, it simply means that you can't simultaneously measure what is known as conjugate variables of reality of, of, of particles. In other words, like if you're trying to measure precisely the position of a particle, well, to the extent that you have that precision, you're going to lose precision in terms of where the particle is, its momentum, its velocity, its direction. Okay, so that's, you know, that's, that seems to be an undeniable part of reality. But, you know, I have to mention here, this relates to subjective measurement. In other words, like, if a human being were to try to simultaneously measure the position and momentum of a particle, or if an apparatus, a machine, a subjective machine were trying to do that, it couldn't. That doesn't necessarily mean that a self-conscious universe, God, couldn't um, measure precisely those, um, the, the position and direction and momentum of that particle. Because if, if God or, or the universe is conscious and is, it's everywhere, then it would have access to that information. But here's the thing. All right, <clears throat> so, you know, um, the, um, the reality, you know, is made clear that fine, we have that limitation. But what happened back then is... Um, these physicists who are otherwise brilliant, my God, <laughs> they invented quantum mechanics. It, it relies on probabilities um, to make predictions because like the standard mechanical model of Newtonian physics where you measure position and momentum to gain predictions doesn't work. Quantum mechanics is so effective, it can measure between here and California but, you know, within a hair's um, width of, of accuracy. I mean, it's probably much more accurate than that. Um, Amazing theory, but they misinterpreted it. Um, and, and it's kind of like funny how they did that. Um, what they said was, well, and I can't understand how, you know, again, people as educated and as brilliant as they were were able to make this kind of like logical fallacy. What they, what they concluded was that, well, since if we can't simultaneously measure the position and momentum of a particle, that means that the behavior of that particle cannot be causal. That means that, like, that when that particle moves from one position to the next, there can be no cause for it. And, you know, you have to ask yourself, you know, how, how could they come up with a conclusion like that? I mean, scientists, you know, very brilliant people have come up with very, you know, oh, God, frighteningly... Stupid, stupid um, conclusions. I think it was Aristotle or, or one of the um, some of the uh, famous Greek philosophers. They, I think, they had the contention that like animals couldn't be happy, that I think maybe animal, animals couldn't feel pain. I mean, just really, you know, you have to wonder how how they came up with this. But but that was their con- contention. So here's the thing. So they're they're saying, all right, fine, particle behavior. Um, cannot be causal, it must be random, 
Okay, because there's only, you know, in, um, with behavior, with, with the behavior of, of physical objects, of, of reality, there's only two possibilities. Behavior is either causal or random. There's no third. You know, it's like the light is on or off. I mean, sure, it could be like a little on, but that would be on. Um, okay. Now, here's the thing. Um, for since 25, since 1925 or so, philosophers um, have kind of like tried to, to make a case for free will, saying, well, you know, at fundamentally nature isn't causal. You know, fundamentally things happen without causes. They're random. But then, you know, it's, it's easy to see that if, if, if behavior, if, if the universe is fundamentally random, meaning uncaused, meaning unordered, okay, then that clearly would refute free will. Because free will, the way we understand it, the way we take it to mean, is that we, you know, we are purposely, causally, actually, interestingly, um, determining our thoughts. So again, randomness really um, is an incoherent concept. There is no such thing as randomness. Everything has a cause. And uh, certain phenomenon like radioactive decay, we simply haven't found the causes for single isotopes, you know, half-life and all. Um, and it, it, it's, it's simply, you know, that's, it's another example of that, um, that erroneous logic, that just like mistaken logic of like saying, well, if we can't see, you know, when a radioactive isotope is decaying, the half-life, whatever, for a single, then then it can't be uh, it can't be a causal process. Again, all right. So um, I hope I hope you understand how though Galen Strawson's um, proof uh, that free will is impossible is clear, is compelling, and completely maybe not completely, but sufficiently enough, um, sidesteps this whole causality randomness um, debate that's been um, raging for for decades. And it presents a new way of understanding how, um, you know, reality is is not up to us. We didn't create ourselves. We can't be, we're not essentially, ultimately responsible for what we do. All right, well, that's it for today. you know, I'll be back exploring this topic um, from many, many different perspectives because it really, it, the way it affects our life is amazing. Okay, have a great day.